listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host from Invent. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. And today, my special guest is Monica. Monica, welcome. Uh, great to see you. It's been a while since we sort of had a what any sort of face-to-face, sort of whatever face-to-face means these days. Um, but do you want to introduce yourself to our uh, to our listeners and watchers? Thanks, Ben. And yeah, you're right. It has been well. It's been a while since we've seen each other. So yeah. So my name's Monica Mwanje. I've got my own consultancy, MM Creative Solutions, and I work with lots of engineering and construction companies, helping them to win more business. So focused on business development and organizational development as well. And still sort of focused on nuclear um, or are you branched out to other industries? Primarily and predominantly, can I say that? Yeah, primarily and predominantly still working in the nuclear sector. So yeah, as you said, I've been in nuclear now nearly 17 years. So from graduate through to not graduate, I guess is one way to put it. (laughs) Well, um, because you're an engineer by background, aren't you? I am, yeah. So I did chemical engineering at university and then got a place on the, as it was then, um, British Nuclear Fuels BNFL graduate scheme as a graduate chemical engineer. So worked in engineering, um, technical projects, left BNFL or Sellafield as it had, because it had a name change at that point. Um, left there, moved out to work for um, engineering companies. And that was probably where I started doing a lot more of the, well, getting more in touch with business development, but not so much until my last job before I set up my consultancy, which was, uh, I guess I had that transition from sort of full-time engineering or technical peer review to doing more of the strategic and business and organisational development work that I do now. It's amazing isn't it? how, how, how often the SLCs change their names. I mean, I was with Magnox for 10 years, but I joined Magnox, then worked for Magnox North, then worked for Magnox South, and then finished back with Magnox. It's sort of, uh, don't know. There were various reasons for those name changes, but it's just constantly, you know, what's it called today? Anyway, never mind that. The most important question of the day, Monica, what did you have for breakfast? I had some whole grain toast and some water. Probably not very exciting, but it's what I had. <laughs> oh, no, that's all right. I mean, we get a wide range of answers from um, sort of fry ups to nothing. Uh, every now and again, we get um, uh, guests who are intermittent fasters. Um, who sort of skip breakfasts um, and my answer is always the same it's very boring out porridge um, so I, and I and I say all the time I should have something more something you know more interesting when I do a podcast but never quite get round to it never mind anyway the um, what made me reach out and uh, get you on the podcast is I saw that recently you've uh, set up the um, uh, and sorry if I get it wrong but it's the nuclear diversity and inclusion network is that right? Almost. Kind of. You, you've got the keywords there, which is good. So it shows that at least something's landed. So yeah. So in 2019, I co-founded Diversity and Inclusion in UK Nuclear. So in essence, what it is, is it's a group just to provide support and access to information and resources for different managers, leaders, people within the nuclear sector. So it's just very much around having, I guess, that peer-to-peer network where you can maybe go and ask a question or go read an article or see articles from other sectors that might be useful with regards to your own inclusion and diversity journeys in your um, organisation. 
what made you decide that um, sort of last year was the time that uh, you'd start something like this? Was it personal experience? Was it the questions you were being asked? Or was it because it's becoming more important to demonstrate when you're winning work and stuff like that, that you have this sort of diverse and inclusive uh, culture and, uh, and strategy? Um, it's a, a mix of the first two for sure. So very much around sort of different questions people have asked me over the years. I was noticing um, more people asking questions around, well, I'm, I'm now managing a more um, diverse team, for example, and they, they, they always felt like there was a bit of a gap in terms of, well, where can I ask some of these questions or what are other companies doing and what's going on? What have you seen? You work out in the supply chain and with different people. Also, you know, a lot of people recognize the fact that I'm a black female engineer who's worked in the nuclear sector, which is the complete opposite of that demographic. So it's sort of drawing, you know, I'll be honest about it. So it's drawing on you're still relatively young <laughs> yeah. as well so that that's sort of all the boxes of not a normal sort. <laughs> <laughs> it's a relatively young it's like I don't feel young some days but yeah but yeah so there's also that I think reflection on my own career and sort of understanding a little bit more around why sort of why things haven't shifted maybe as much as they could do and it was just having those discussions and then also it's you know you go to more conferences and exhibitions well sort of pre-covid maybe all the face-to-face -face events and conferences and I know you've been to probably some of the similar ones that I've been to and then there's always some really nice speeches and there's always some really nice conversations and people always talk about we need to become more inclusive we need to become more diverse and then it kind of seems to stop and then it kind of comes back around again and it's kind of all well how do we actually make that happen what do good actions look like and like I said before what have other organizations done so it was very much around saying well you know in the nuclear industry there's some existing initiatives that already fulfill some aspects in terms of identity so you've got women in nuclear which is obviously supporting the nuclear sector deal which is a target for the industry to have 40 percent um 40 percent women by 2030 Yes, I got that right. I always think have I mixed up the two numbers, but no, 40% by 2030. And then you've got things like the Union Generation Network, which is obviously providing that support for, with regards to um, pushing down the age demographic. So for people who aren't as familiar with nuclear, it's kind of had a bit more of a, I guess, it's fair to say older age demographic. Than well, maybe mean, with... I was, um, uh, there and, uh, you know, I was involved with sort of the decommissioning sector and, um, sort of pulling stuff down and occasionally, well not occasionally, you'd always have someone who'd sort of help build it, build these buildings and so on. Well, that's impressive that you lasted this long sort of in the job. But it was, you know, nuclear has always been in very, um, very much a sort of job for life um, uh, around the patch, hasn't it? So you, you do have people who've been sort of uh, um, uh, boys and men sort of all sort of, you know, through their career, different, um, seeing different things. So it's, important like you say that we attract and I think that you know what you um that's the the missing part often isn't it in the speeches that you see at these conferences it's about you know they're very good at how they're trying to improve sort of what they do with the people they've got but less so about how they then attract the next generation and a diverse next generation yeah I feel the conversation is shifting and there is more there is more coming from different organizations and I think you know, we are we are having more open discussions around LGBTQ, for example, you know, seeing more companies actively supporting Pride and Pride Month, which 
a couple of years ago, people didn't even mention those words or do anything about it. So things are starting to shift. And this initiative is just one of the things to, to just to help people really just to say, yeah, here's maybe a bit of information that could help you as you're trying to figure this out and you're not alone. Because I think sometimes you can feel like, are we the only ones who've got this issue or I don't quite understand? And it can be nice to have a forum where you can, like I say, go seek out information or go ask a question and hopefully someone else can jump in and help you. Um, have you seen over the, sort of the the years and through your career things sort of improving? Have you had sort of barriers that you've had to overcome that, you know, I might, might not have had um, if I'd have been in the same place? Um, I think because we're now starting to have more open dialogue around some of the issues, I think I'm noticing that there's, that feels like there's a different energy, that the, there is a wanting to really shift things. I think because, like I said, we are starting to have not just discussions around race, particularly with things that have gone on in the past few weeks. That's really brought that back to the fore and people are now more openly having discussions and saying we actually need to address, for example, racial equality within our um, inclusion plans and in our strategies. Um, but there's also people recognising actually we've not done so much around disability, for example, and other aspects. So I feel like people are starting to pick up and say, well, the workforce we want to have, what we want to reflect, we look at society and making strides to get through that. Um, in terms of the different career barriers I've faced, I mean, it's, yes, there's been a number, there has been a number, but, and I think sort of reflecting on the way my career progressed and the people who helped me, supported me, sponsored me in the sense of sort of advocating for my career or advocating for me to have access to certain roles. That's what made the difference. It was people who didn't just sort of keep quiet about saying, no, she is good enough to do that. They actually almost put their neck on the line to push me forward. And it kind of needs more people doing that. If they notice that mm -hmm. maybe someone is capable of something, you, you need people to also respond to your energy, ambition and enthusiasm with helping you actually access those opportunities because you can be the best person in the world. You can be absolutely amazing at your job. But if actually there is a blocker and you're not going to get, say, that next promotion or that next assignment that's going to help you develop the skills to then maybe potentially access a promotion if that's what you're after, then things become stagnant. And then you kind of get left with two choices of, well, do you just keep going as you are? Maybe you're unhappy about it. Or do you think actually maybe I'll go somewhere else where I'm um, yeah. more valued? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, try and sort of move to maybe other industries with better reputations and and things like that as well. And then sort of it's that you know, we we always talk about sort of the lack of um, good talent joining the industry. The last thing we want to do is sort of you know make people leave because they don't feel appreciated and, and uh, rewarded accordingly. Um, so in the nuclear industry, um, you know there is a sort of a gathering sort of shift in what the future looks like. You know we've got. Uh, hopefully sort of exciting times ahead of us with uh, modular reactors, lots of question marks about what new build will look like uh, moving forward. Uh, and I guess sort of you know, post-COVID, um, what might help with uh, achieving some of these um, sort of what are ambitious targets, the 40% um, sort of women by 2030. But if we are more um, open to working from home, which has always been a bit of a well, I had three laptops at one point in Magnox because of security restrictions. Um, but if these things are being sort of uh, eased, it should be a more inclusive and easier to get into industry. Because uh, it's hard enough to get people to go to Trouserven if 
Sellafield, Hunterston and all these players are doing right as it is anyway. But if you're more flexible in where and how you work, surely that'll help as well. Yes, and that's something that came up in um, the conference last month. So for people listening or watching this, um, we had our second diversity and inclusion in UK nuclear conference and we held it online this year. And um, a couple of the speakers did mention about how the shift to remote working because of COVID is, you know, obviously opening up the fact that there is that demonstration now that it is possible for people to work from home. So that should hopefully translate into opportunity to recruit from a, a broader demographic than before and to re-engage with people who maybe might not necessarily be able to travel as much because of say home caring mm. situations or home caring um, arrangements or commitments because you're right a lot of the sites are in fairly remote locations that maybe aren't always necessarily as accessible for everybody and you know we all have lives we all have other commitments and things going on so sometimes the opportunity doesn't fully quite work out for you but now we can potentially see a shift that enables more people to get involved and more talent to come and add their skills to the mix. So you, you said as part of this sort of peer-to-peer network that you're trying to um, build that you're sort of pointing people in the direction of what good looks like. Um, is that just within the industry or are you looking at other industries and seeing what sort of nuclear construction and the likes can, can learn from other places? It's the latter. So it's very much, well, this is like some examples of what other organisations have done. And I should obviously caveat this and say, you know, you can look at different examples that different organisations are doing. You can look at some of the actions they put in place, but obviously actually developing inclusion and looking at the diversity across your organisation will obviously always have to be tailored, <clears throat> excuse me, tailored to the people that you've got within it. So these are things that can help to inspire. So yes, we don't just sort of look within nuclear. We look for examples from anywhere, whether it's from tech to fashion to construction more broadly to food it's if there's something that we think has got some good information in it and it's like okay yeah that's helpful let's help amplify it so that maybe it crosses someone's desk and it helps them connect the dots on something they've been mulling over then it's done its job really Mm. no and I think the um the important thing that I think people are realizing now is that it's not sort of work to do to tick boxes and make people feel sort of you know there is real benefit to having a a, a diverse and inclusive uh, workforce you, you know lucky in event and I know it's easy for me because of sort of who I am to sort of say yeah we're very diverse but it does feel like you know we have you know 50 50 ish uh, on gender and we've got people from all around the world from all different religions all looking at things from a slightly different perspective that really helps sort of you grow as an individual uh, and helps you really grow as a team and how you look at things. Um, I, and I think it's important that people realise the sort of, you know, the, the real benefit that comes from it, um, not just do it for the sake of doing it. 100% oh, great, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, because it's so warm, I'm just constantly sipping water and, and I thought, bet you he's going to want me to speak. But uh, you're right, it's that different approach and that different perspective. And I have to say, when I've worked on sort of teams or projects where we've got people from around the globe, and sometimes that has been remotely as well, sort of before all of the working situation we're in now, 
just seeing the different approach and just how understanding how you could say something in one way but that can be maybe more of a quite um British colloquialism that maybe doesn't always resonate when you're working in an international team and likewise you may have a colleague from somewhere else who says something a certain way and you're looking at them and you're like I don't really know what's going on but then you find a way to work together you realize you know you realize and things don't get as lost in translation for example because you're actually building that connection and you're building those bonds so that you can work together effectively which is what every team does regardless of where people are from if you're going to be high performing you find a way to bring out the best in each other yeah definitely definitely so what are your sort of short-term or long-term hopes for sort of your network and uh, you know, more sort of blue sky for the industry? Just uh, get the nice, easy <laughs> questions in there. <laughs> so in terms of the in terms of the initiative, I mean, if I look at sort of what we've achieved over the past 12 months, so we started just after we had like a conversation in, I think it was December 2018, and then we set up the initiative in, I think it was February 2019, and we started as a LinkedIn group. That's since grown and we've got like a website um, and sort of the social media presence. We held a conference last year where it was face-to-face, -face, but obviously it was permissible then. And we had about, how many people did we have? We had about 60 or 70 people coming live. And then we sort of set some goals around, you know, we took the listening and feedback from people who attended the conference saying, well, actually it's more the practical, well, what can we do? What are the, what are the examples? How do we actually make this happen for ourselves? So we said, okay, well, maybe we need to look at bringing some, training and support a little bit more broadly so we um set up with um a collaboration with equal engineers to look at taking one of their workshops national on like a roadshow tour in 2020 and we set the target of um getting a thousand people through that training in 2020 so we we started off then obviously covid came and we're like okay this is a little bit of a blocker but the training has been reformatted and it's now back it's available it's online so a little plug for people please go check out the website there's information there so we're still that's, aiming for that target that's free training available to anyone who goes on the website is it the training is so the training is um with equal engineers and there's now backing from ECITB so for okay. in scope ECITB organizations who are working on nuclear projects but please go and check the wording um then there is um some funding available as long as they hit all the certain ECITB criteria then people can get access to that workshop and it will be the costs will be covered via ECITB if they're eligible so that's one thing that we're doing this year which is great and like I said we held our conference online last month mm -hmm. and we had over 400 people joining us so a bit of a leap from sort of 60 to 70 to over 400 but I think obviously with it being online I think that helped more people who maybe couldn't have traveled to it last year to come mm -hmm. to it this year. So we're sort of still going through all the learning from that, looking at the feedback we've had, and we're going to sort of regroup and then sort of look at what additional goals we need to set, what we've had a chance to sort of go through all of the feedback and the questions, because we got a lot of questions during the event, which we just, we did not get through, but we are working through them now. So it's, we'll, we'll see what we're going to do and then sort of what's, what some more appropriate goals are on top of obviously still rolling out the workshop training and still continuing to sort of share things via our newsletter and the yeah. other things that we do online. That's great though that you had such an such a large audience but also such an engaged audience it really shows that there's a sort of a willing and a want out there to to to, to be better and do better. 
100% agree I was really really surprised because I guess you have that feeling of okay like when you're maybe going to a party or you organize a party you're going to be the only one there <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was a little bit and at first when we were sort of sort of behind the scenes and getting set up and ready and then we're like and like you can see on the thing or oh, is anyone logged on and it was like us <laughs> so we're like okay well there's two of us that's good and then like a couple of people came in and then it just kept going up and up and up and it was like okay and then when it started we were like well, what if no one asked questions and you're sort of you're poised ready to sort of get discussion going but then the questions came and they kept coming and it was just I was refreshing the screen and I was just like oh my goodness so it was it was, <laughs> it was great and it was good and like I say looking through the kinds of questions people asking that can, that gives us a steer on maybe you know what we can maybe do next so it's actually of use rather than it just being something that doesn't really add anything to anybody so yeah good good and then um we're, we're sort of approaching the sort of the half hour mark so um i'm not i'm you're not going to get out of it i'm going to ask again so <laughs> um what are your sort of hopes and aspirations for the industry then um when it comes to um sort of diversion inclusivity and um and, and just generally sort of where is the nuclear industry going um i think in terms of inclusion and diversity i think it'd be nice for it to just become a lot more routine and by that I mean that it's really truly embedded into how we lead how we set up our projects how we look at our supply chains how we go about our business that it's kind of almost that second nature but but without it being complacent because obviously if you become complacent about things you kind of take your eye off proceedings as well so about it just being something where it's it's the way we do things I think is my goal and for it to just you know I think of all the wonderful people who maybe I've worked with in the past who've since left the industry whether it's because they've become um, for example mothers and they found it difficult to sort of stay in touch with their job or you know other aspects of their lives and I think or oh, wouldn't it be great if we can maybe bring some of them back into the fold or other mm -hmm. amazing people and I also think well what about the people I could work with because we've we've done this so I think that'll be really really good I think in terms of the industry, I think seeing it as part of the um, energy mix moving forward. But I also think in terms of, how do I phrase this? <laughs> um, I think just, just having, I guess, more connection with people because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around the sector still. And if I'm blunt, I think some of that is down to some of the ways in which and I've been guilty of it as well in the past, the ways we think we're communicating when actually we're not, we're not actually really listening to people, we're not actually really putting stuff across in a way that it works for them. So I think... Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. often, I say we need to demystify mm. the industry. You know, we've, we've made it sound complicated for the right reasons at times, but now it's sort of too difficult. You know, I see people complaining about certain things um you know like fuel shipments and stuff like that and so well that's been happening for like 30 40 years if anything now it's safer than it's ever been you just don't quite understand why and how and these type of things so i think well, maybe that's a sort of a subject of another uh, podcast we can do we can sort of talk about well how do we actually humanize yeah. and mystify nuclear and make people realize that it could be sort of an important um mix of um a part of the energy mix it's not just about wind turbines 
I think it's very much around the mix. And I think your point there about saying how it's safer, we know that because we've worked in the industry and we've seen firsthand and understand a lot of the procedures. But for people who don't have that knowledge, it's, you know, and if they've seen certain TV shows and that's their own, been their only contact point with the industry, then it's, it's you know, nobody else is filling that void. How How is anyone meant to know what's going on? Yeah, no, I know. I tell people that, um, you know, you get exposed to more radiation if you walk up Snowden or get an X-ray, those type of things. And, you know, the other person's turned to me and told me that's propaganda. And I was like, oh, <laughs> don't be <sighs> daft. <laughs> if we start, if we move this discussion into that topic, I think we'll be here all day. And I think considering the current climate with news, propaganda, et cetera, et cetera, that could be another lengthy discussion. Yeah. On right, its own, we, for sure. We go. We've got a series of podcasts that we can do then, Monica. That'd be, that'd be great. Um, so uh, thank you very much uh, for joining me uh, today. Hopefully next time um, it will be a bit cooler. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> more bearable. <laughs> do you know, I think I've chosen the warmest room to sit in. And it's just, yeah. But no, Stacey, thank you. It's nice to catch up and... Here's me thinking, oh, yeah, it'll just be one podcast. But, yeah, I might come Definitely. back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you very much uh, for everyone uh, out there listening and watching. Um, a few things that Monica's uh, discussed, they'll be available sort of in the uh, bio or wherever they sort of normally go. Uh, and if you've enjoyed this conversation, make sure that you uh, like and subscribe to the podcasts um, so that you can um, hear all about our uh, next episodes and whenever Monica does come back. So thank you very much and uh, see you all soon.